Are you tired of spinning your wheels with ineffective marketing strategies? Do you dream of finding a way to grow your business while also giving back to your community? Well, have you thought about charitable auctions? Maybe you've tried them in the past and you feel stuck because you're tired of donating to auctions that haven't gone that well. Either the winners never bothered to redeem their gift certificates or the ones who did were so price sensitive that you wished you'd never heard from them in the first place. Or maybe you've wanted to try auction marketing, but you don't know where to start and the thought of a bunch of trial and error makes you want to lay down and take a nap. Well, we've just launched our brand new course, Rework Your Marketing with Charitable Auctions. In this course, you'll gain access to a comprehensive course that has been meticulously crafted over 18 years of our own trial and error in our portrait studio in the trenches of charitable auctions. In this course, we dive deep into the world of charitable auction marketing and uncovering the secrets to our success with this. From setting clear goals to identifying the best charities for your business, we'll show you how to navigate this powerful marketing strategy with confidence. But that's not all. You're also going to receive a treasure trove of exclusive resources, including customizable templates, vendor recommendations, and tracking spreadsheets. Picture this. You donate a portrait session to a local charity auction. Not only does your donation attract the attention of your ideal clients, but it also helps support a cause that you're passionate about. And with the tools and insights provided by this course, you'll be able to turn those auction winners into lifelong clients. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, now is the time to rework your marketing strategy with charitable auctions. Visit our website today, dotherework.com forward slash auctions, and take the first step toward transforming your business and making a difference in your community. Welcome to The Rework with Allison Tyler-Jones, a podcast dedicated to inspiring portrait photographers to uniquely brand, profitably price, and confidently sell their best work. Allison has been doing just that for the last 15 years, and she's proven that it's possible to create unforgettable art and run a portrait business that supports your family and your dreams. All it takes is a little rework. Episodes will include interviews with experts from in and outside of the photo industry, mini workshops, and behind-the-scenes secrets that Allison uses in her portrait studio every single day. She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework. You know, one thing I notice again and again, as I interact with photographers from all over the world, is that so many of us are looking for that quick marketing fix, like the next promo, the next funnel, the next mini session, the next deal that will make our phone ring off the hook. But there is another more soul satisfying way to market. And today's guest is the master of this type of marketing. My guest today is Tim Walden, a second generation studio photographer who is the gold standard in not only his photographic work, but his education. Tim and his wife, Bev, run a portrait studio in Lexington, Kentucky. He's the former president of Professional Photographers of America. And really what you need, the most thing you need to know about Tim is that everyone loves Tim. 
I haven't met anybody in this entire world that does not love Tim Walden. And it's not just because he's the nicest guy that you'll ever meet. He's also one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Not only does he create beautiful imagery, he is the master of marketing with layer upon layer of emotion and meaning, not only in his work, but in his relationships with his clients. So join me today as Tim and I talk about marketing based on value versus price. Tim, I'm so grateful for you taking the time to do this. I know you're a busy man, but you are, ever since I started the podcast, I just thought I can't wait to talk to Tim Walden. And if you've listened to any of the episodes, which you probably haven't yet, but you've been quoted many times. And in fact, the last one, Catherine and I were like, she's like, well, then, then Tim Walden. And then I said, I know it just all comes back to Tim. And she's like, yeah, everything begins and ends with Tim. So that's sweet. So you're loved. You're so loved in this industry and you're the gold standard of value and loving on your client. And so what I wanted to talk with you about today, and I was hoping you'd give us some insight, is the concept of marketing on value versus price. Because I'm in the middle of teaching this online course and I find that photographers are so hooked on getting that next marketing tip. Like what's the marketing tip? What's the marketing tip? And I keep thinking, well, should I be giving them marketing tips? And then I realize I don't do marketing tips. That's not how I run my business. So I would love to know what your thoughts are about that. Like marketing on value versus the next deal, discount, that sort of thing. And you can take it in any direction you want to go, but that's where we'll start. Well, thank you, Allison. Thanks for the kind words. I mean, you guys are your family to us. You know that. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity. And I feel like I'm with family when I'm with you or with most photographers, because I don't know, we just seem to have such a kindred spirit. You know, I don't think you get into photography purely to just say, you know, the X's nose and the numbers and the, but you get into it because you love people, you love celebrating them. All of those things are, are important. But as it comes to marketing, one of the things that I always think about when I think about marketing is, is not to market photography, but to market the result of your art. I think when you, mm. when you think about marketing, it's like, what is the result of it? Anybody can take a photograph. And if we're trying to survive on being the best photographer, well, I don't know that that person exists. And I don't think, I think you'll be sorely disappointed. Yeah. But you have to think about what is it that I do and how does it make other people's lives better? How does it celebrate their life? And then we have to be able to convey that. I think emotion has carried our art is the emotion of what we do, uh, telling people's stories. And, you know, I think great photography to me, Allison, one of, one of the things I love to say is that being excellent at photography at the technical side of it simply makes the photograph invisible and yes. it'll, the message to rise to the top. In other words, you, you don't become excellent at lighting and posing and, and design and composition so that you can be excellent at those things. You become excellent at those. So the photography becomes invisible and the message of what you do begins to rise to the top. So you have to ask yourself, what is the message of my art and how does it make someone's life better? You need to spend time, I think, giving that a lot of thought. And for us, it's always been about telling somebody's story. And you, you've heard it a million times, but it is who we are. And when we're getting ready to photograph somebody, we say, if this is a chapter in your life, 
this portrait? What's the bold mm-hmm. print? And then I look for ways to interpret that. I look for ways to, to share that through the art. Could be in the subtleties of the body language, in the expression, in the way uh, a father holds a child's hands. It could be any number of things. But when you see that play out, number yeah. one, you're going to be a better photographer when you know that story. And then number two, that becomes your heart cry and your marketing and your messaging and so forth. I think first, we have to look at our product. We have to look at our photography and we have to say what's in it for them, Absolutely. not what's in it for me. What's in it for them? How, how, how would their life be hindered if they didn't have one of your portraits on their wall? What, what would they be missing? It's and then so we true. take that approach in marketing our photography. Well, and I feel like that where we get stuck as photographers is we've read motivated, ambitious photographers that want to create a great business. Mm-hmm. We're learners and we're reading business books and that sort of thing. And there's what we're reading sometimes is about how big, huge companies that can scale are marketing their services, right? So they're right. doing discounts or gift with purchase, or they're, they're marketing in, in this very one-to-many broadcast way. Right. And we're, I feel like we lose sight of the fact that we are in such a high touch, high relationship business that it doesn't have to be that. It can be like you're more quiet, more soulful, more one-to-one story. So a lot of my marketing obviously is like we market to our existing clients. So we're, we're all sure. about the existing. But if you were going to do something, let's just say hypothetically, you were going to send something out to your list or maybe on a Facebook ad or something like that. How are you doing that? Or are you? And if you are, are you doing it differently than what I just described? Well, I would tell a story and I'd, I'd actually tell someone else's story. I mean, to me, there is that, that law of reciprocity we've heard about is so true. When you, when you make your marketing about other people, then you're going to reap a benefit. And our growth came not when we defined our style, that was at the heart of it. But then when we began to carry the message of that style out, we began to tell the stories of the people we photographed. You see this image here, this dad's wishes for his child are, this is the story we're telling. And then we allow others to tell our story through our photographs. It becomes a reciprocal. And the, and the truth of the matter is, uh, a lot of times with our marketing, it's not till the very end or till you think about it, you even realize that we're marketing photography because we're, we're marketing the purpose and the story of what we do. And we spend our life, I remember when we had a, a mall exhibit many years ago, we used to always put up my best work, I, you know, whatever I won an award with or something like that, I try to put that up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it became it's like a revelation to me. You know, I always say a revelation isn't complicated. It's just when you get it, you know, <laughs> most of them are really simple. And I started realizing we're marketing all the wrong things. We're trying to show everybody what we can do, how we can do it. We're trying to flex our photographic muscles. But what they want to know, honestly, is how you can tell their story. How can you make their life better? So we began to change all of our marketing to all of our black and white, which was, that was a bold step for me, Mm -hmm. Allison, because photographers, we think we need to show everybody what we can do. Because what if somebody doesn't like that? Or what if somebody doesn't like this? And then the reality of it is that you confuse, you dilute the market. You, you miss the purpose by trying to be a mechanic, showing all the parts and the pieces Mm -hmm. of what you do. So for the first time, and I, I, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it because it's true. For the first time, I started putting the most meaningful work up, which wasn't always my best work technically. 
Technically, it, yeah. Technically, but it told an amazing story. And then I began to tell that story through our literature that was out or through any number of other ways. And people, I remember the mall manager called me and said, Tim, I don't know what you're doing, but there's like some people down in front of your exhibit crying, you know, tears. Are and it's like, they're so touched by the stories. And yeah. we started connecting with people differently, not through our photography, but through the result of our photography. And so for me, it'd be about telling people stories. It'd be sharing their stories. And then in doing so, I think the public and other people connect and they put you in a different category. I love that. Yeah, I feel like that we're so, our industry, and I think I don't think it's just our industry. I think it's every small business is we're, we're hooked on this concept of like, I just got to get that phone ringing. I got to yeah, get people right. to call. And I had, that was the scariest thing was to set that free and realize that if I'm doing this the way that I really want to be doing it, my phone isn't ringing off the hook, but when it does ring, the right people are calling. Amen to that. That's where success lies. That's where your great sales lies. Yeah. It's, I always say it's the, when the sales room, it's two right butts in the seat. Yeah. You know, you, you being the right person or whoever you have there and having the right client on the other yeah. end. I mean, that's absolute key. And how can, how can you have the right people if you haven't defined who you are? I mean, I think our success comes in our definition. I mean, the, the emotion is like the magic formula, the story, the purpose of our art is the magic formula. But the definition is the clarity that we have in our message. And the part of marketing that I think is so hard to swallow for a lot of people, and especially photographers, is clarity. You know, I always say that I just wrote that, that word on my paper. I just, I just, <laughs> I, I want you to just see, I literally I just wrote absolutely. that. Absolutely. When I, that's always my first point when it comes to style of marketing is that's not the pretty part of marketing. Like, you know, we want to talk about the emotion and the stories and all that, but yeah. absolutely. It is one of the foundational pieces of your marketing. Who are you and what do you do? And here's the thing. We become our own worst enemy because we understand what we do and we understand who we are. So we have this expectation that so does everyone else. Well, they don't. I'm here to tell you, they do not know. And as you hone it down a little bit, they still don't know. You've got to take it down to such clarity and such purpose and such identity that they'd have trouble mistaking it. I remember early in competition, it would, it would bother me, Allison, and people would say, oh, that's a Walden image. And I used to get upset about it. And then I realized, hey, wait a minute. That's what, that's what I've always wanted. I, right. I want, and, and you have to be, and, and again, I know you, you've heard this, but you have to be less concerned with who likes it and more concerned that they recognize it. Right. I don't so care I was who likes quote, it. Yeah, right. I was going to quote you back to you. So I, I have this <laughs> in every single slide deck of every talk I've ever given. I have my Tim Walden slide that says it's more important for them to know, to understand what I do than for them to mm -hmm. like what I do. Right. And so Okay, so I'm going to back you up a little bit because I and I'm going to disagree with you a little bit in that right. I don't think we are clear. I don't think that as photographers that we are clear about what we're doing because I think what I find is that you might start out clearer than where you end up. You might you think right. I just love kids, you know, mm -hmm. and then what happens is somebody comes along and says, "Can you shoot my sister's wedding?" and you're like, "Is right. it going to pay me?" Yeah, I'm going to do that. And then you start letting <laughs> these other things come in and right. pretty soon you're jack of all trades, master of none. Right. And then that might also happen in the style department, right? Like, "Oh, I love right. white background whatever." But then somebody comes in and they want a brocade background and they want so we let these things kind of clutter until we kind of don't know who we are anymore. And right. even if we have in our heart, like I really, if I could only shoot blank, you know, I, we have that thought, right. we're afraid to say that because of these two words, we want to attract 
and we don't want to repel. And good marketing does really, really good marketing will repel. Yeah, sure does. So what is your success with that? Like, I'm sure you had to make those same decisions and realize if we're going black and white relationship portraiture close up in black turtlenecks, Mm -hmm. like that is like a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche. Right. You had to be okay with somebody coming in and going, well, but can't we do outside or what, you know, whatever. So speak to that about that clarity and being willing to let being willing to be so clear. No, I think it's absolutely critical. And I think you're right. I think most people aren't clear on what they want, but I, my point even is when you think you're clear, you're not, you know, because I think too, we have to, the level of clarity that, that we're talking about is not clarity that even that you grasp, but it's clarity that a client grasps is so painfully simple. It's so on target. And, and I will tell you, too, it's also where you succeed on the technical side, because I very much put all my eggs in one basket, because the reality is, I think the difference between good photographers and great ones are not big things or little things. Great people mm-hmm. do little things exceptionally well. And I can't get to the little things until I get rid of the clutter. Mm-hmm. I have to get rid of the clutter because when you get rid of clutter of all the different things like you're talking about, then I think you enter this phase of finessing, of massaging of perfecting. And then people go, well, I've seen other people do that, but yours is better. They see something in yours. And I think, you know, I think we have to get to that point of understanding and of clarity. And and as to your question about others coming in, I think we need to see ourselves differently, Allison. I think what we have a tendency to do, I I don't know, sometimes it's like we beat ourselves up. We start realizing what we don't know. And I'm here to tell you, you don't know everything. Whoever's listening, we don't know everything. But I think we have to appreciate what we do know. And we also have to appreciate the fact that those people who are choosing you, if you've done your job right in building your brand, then they're choosing you for the the right reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think to go down any other path is a disservice to you and to them. And it gets right back to diluting a brand. It's confusing. I think my definition of a a brand that's going to always be successful is that great brands will form expectations and then fulfill them because Mm -hmm. everyone comes to you, Allison, with an expectation. It doesn't matter whether you want them to or not. That doesn't matter. They have an expectation. So the question becomes, did you fulfill that expectation? Well, let me tell you, if you didn't form it, there's a good chance you didn't fulfill it. At some level or another, there's a level of disappointment in that experience. Okay. What does that look like? What does that look like? So give me an example of that in, in our industry. So somebody that has not formed the expectation, what is that? You mean in, in the long run, I think you don't build that loyalty in a client. You don't create buzz. You don't create that energy that's in there. You don't create the identity. I think a lot of people won't say anything to you because mm-hmm. people generally don't want to say, this isn't what I expected. They might even not understand that. Exactly. But the reality is you're losing that equity, I think, in the marketplace with them, with their friends, with the people, because ultimately you want to create evangelists. I mean, I don't think loyalty is even alive anymore. I think we're at a different level. I think buzz is alive and well. I think, you know, having people that are excited, that feel like family, that's alive and well. But the old term for loyalty, just, well, you know, I got a good image. I'm going to come back. Mm -hmm. I don't think those days exist. So I think we have to function at a greater level. And how can you function at a greater level when you are a million things instead of five or 10 things? Exactly. And so I know my brand well enough to know that if I were to accept that opportunity you're talking about with someone to go in the wrong direction, there's a high level I would disappoint them. 
I would certainly disappoint myself. And to some degree or another, I'm, I'm likely going to dilute my brand at the marketplace. So how are you forming the expectations in your business? Where, where does that begin for you? And I'm, I'm assuming in many different areas, but. Oh yeah, lots of areas. Number one is consistency. And number two is what can I carve away? I mean, to me, a brand's like whittling, you know, it's got to take shape. Just a stick of wood till you just keep going and going. It has to take shape. You have to carve away things and you have to quit doing good things. <laughs> That's what a lot of people don't realize. You got to stop doing some really good things for the greater cause. And I've had, when I've taught, people say, well, what's wrong with this? Well, nothing's wrong with that. But it, does that helping you fulfill your vision? Is it helping you achieve your goal? In the marketplace, if you look at it real, in, in reality, is it one more piece of a message that doesn't sing from the same hymn book? And, and if it is, you need, you need to maybe let some good things go. Same on price list. People give you Encyclopedia mm. Britannica. Oh my gosh. And they'll say, yeah, but I had somebody who really liked the pink fluffy frame that hung from, you know, the refrigerator, whatever it might be. And I sold three of those. Well, okay. I mean, yeah. So, so yeah, does that line up with the longer purpose? You have to look at things, I think, in a more um, clear fashion. So consistency. I would say is important. I think you carve away at the heart of what you do to, or carve away at the peripheral to get to the heart of what you do. I know if you looked at what a relationship portrait looked like when I first started it, you would certainly see a thread of what it is today, mm-hmm. but it, it did change those first two or three years. There was too much in there that it was a good idea, but it was, it was wrapped around a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And I had to do a lot of soul searching to find that place that was truly what, what my heart was. I had to, had this, and then you have to get bold. I think people don't understand. They think boldness is cockiness. They're not the same. Mm -hmm. And confidence and arrogance are two different things. Mm -hmm. I can be very confident and I can be very bold. I should never be arrogant, disrespectful under any circumstance, but confidence to tell the customer, you know, I'm not the right person to do that. Mm -hmm. That's not the right thing for me. Uh, But may I help you find someone else? Mm-hmm. To do that, I've said that a million times, and you know yep. how many times I've said that that people have said, "But I don't want someone else. Right? I yep. want you." I've had a right. few that say, "Yeah, help me find someone yeah. else," and I look at it, and I'm better off because of them. Because mm-hmm. remember, forming and fulfilling expectations. But most people will say, "Well, I don't want to go somewhere else." And my favorite question to a client: Once you start honing in on who you are, the purpose, the clarity, the consistency. When someone walks through your door, if they're trying to go in a different direction, it's usually because they, they're not, they just don't know. Exactly. My, my first question to them, because one of my dearest friends, she's an attorney, and she'd say, you, you know, uh, the best way to get where you want to go is to ask the question, but don't ever ask when you don't know the answer to it. So, so I always ask people, I'll say, let me ask you, you know, if they're taking me off on some tangent like that, I'll say, why did you choose Walden's? Now I'm betting they're not going to say because you're cheap and easy to get to. Right. <laughs> I'm hoping that's not what they say. So yeah. far, so good. But they'll say, well, I love your work. You did my neighbor's portrait or whatever. But my next question always, do you mind if I tell you what it's going to take for that to happen? Because that's the way I'm going to lead somebody instead of say, well, you're wrong or I shouldn't do that or that's not us. And so usually I'll say, why did you choose us? And if they said you're cheap and easy to get to, well, then I'm doing something wrong. I need to go right. back and fix other problems. So, yeah, I think that's the way you do it. And uh, you get bolder and bolder. And and I would encourage people. I've never felt like I, I know everything. I know the more I learn, the more I realize what I don't know. Sure. But when those people choose me, they're choosing me because of what I do know and because of what I execute and because of my art form. To do anything less than that, 
that's an injustice to them. It's an injustice to me. And it's a hindrance to my growth. For sure. I love that. The things that really stuck out in everything that you just said is that really at the bottom of it, even though they're coming to us, it really isn't about us. It really is about fulfilling their needs, but they don't know. We are the expert. We are the the visionary, so to speak, that can fulfill what they didn't even know they wanted. And so the very best service providers in the world, and I think as you know, once you become an adult, you realize like nobody actually has the answer for you. You kind of have to have an idea of what it is that you want. But the best service providers are the ones that you can go and say, look, I think I want this, 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 and this. And they can say, okay, well, based on you and based on my expertise, here's the vision of what I think we can do together. And it's this vision of something far superior than what you originally thought. The worst case scenario is that you go into somebody, well, it's not worst case scenario. It's like normal case scenario is that you go in and say, okay, I, you know, say it's an attorney. I want a will. Okay. What kind of will do you want? Well, what do you want? You know, you could do this, this, or this, and then you get it done and it's whatever, it's fine. But if they're like, well, based on the fact that you have two special needs children and five supposedly typical children, and you're this age and you have this portrait studio, and then they dream up this whole amazing trust for me that I didn't even like that just solved problems. I didn't even realize I had because they listened to me and they created something amazing and better. That is worth so much more money to me. It's worth everything. And I'm going to tell everybody I know about that. And so I think that's that's what we're missing in our industry is we're either wanting to be an order taker, we're abdicating responsibility, wanting the client to tell us what it is that we're supposed to do and afraid to step out and say, actually, I am really great at this one area. And this is how I see based on what we've just learned about your family and my abilities and your home. This is how we're going to put this all together. And it's going to be freaking amazing and helping them see the vision. So it is about us, but really it's being confident enough to put together what we do with what they need, their specific needs, and taking them to a place they didn't even know they could be. That's right. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's about uh, uh, not only finding and fulfilling their needs, but I think it's also about defining for them the potential they don't even know exists. And sure. you know, to me, that's part of it as well. And I think this is why when we do uh, design or visioning appointments, we collaborate with our clients. We're doing, uh, I used to suggest, now I just tell them what to do. <laughs> Because I think there's, because you get that level of confidence that if telling them what to do is not being cocky, it's like this way, they're going to love what they get. But for them them to find a place of education and and purpose in that process just makes them more energetic about it instead of, so I, I think having that time to plant those seeds and to fulfill those seeds and, and to share the details with them. And all the time they're collaborating, but they're going right along with exactly what you're telling them to do anyway, because what you're telling them is the truth. We have to realize right. that if you're, if you're making stuff up as you go, this all fall apart really fast sure. and, and you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you're telling them the truth based on your skill set, your art, how it serves their family and what it can mean five, 10, 15, 20 yes. years, 50 years down the road, uh, if you're doing all of that, then they're going to feel like they're playing a role in it. But their role is going to be joining in in that process and then seeing it play out. I, I know for with black and white relationship portraits, we, we would tell people uh, in a design still do. We're going to create establishing portraits. Those show your family at their best. We're mm-hmm. going to create abbreviations that isolates one child, tells their story. It is very much them. That portrait you don't own. 
That's going on your wall for now, but that's for them later. Those abbreviations will flesh out your wall grouping and those will be gone as these kids reach a certain age. And what you're doing is you're, you're seeding into their life uh, your family legacy. Then there's moments, and those moments are the candidates. They celebrate that experience in that camera room. Well, you know, when you start talking like that and you're you're educating and leading them, you know, when they come in for their selection appointment, what do they they're say? Used, they're There's quoting my, you back yeah, to you. They're quoting you back, yes. Yep. And they're saying, no, that's my establishing portrait. Yep. And these are the abbreviations. So I'm going to give that to Susie and I'm going to give this to Sally, yep. you know, and I'm going to write them a letter. So you, all that begins to come back. And I think, this is where we have to take our clients, and it's why it's so important that what you do before a session will determine the success of the session. I'm convinced of that. Completely. Uh, I am absolutely convinced that what I do before will determine the success. And I could be absolutely 100% right, but if I've not collaborated and got them excited and on board with me, they don't know what right is. Right. So they're looking, oh, those are pretty pictures. Yep. Well, that's deadly. You know, Dead. somebody's pretty, yeah, pretty Dead. picture. Yeah, no, no, no. that is not good. Much more grand, much more purpose. There's a plan. There has to be a plan. Yeah, well, right. and I, I think, especially I think when you're new in your career, you tend to be more reticent perhaps, but I find that the more I will be bold, like you say, not arrogant, but bold, right. the more I quote, boss them around, quote, Mm-hmm. very bold with my opinion, the more they love it. And yeah, then I, I, and so when I, I thought that seems so counterintuitive to me, but then I would think about how many of us have been in a doctor's office with a child and something's wrong. And what is every physician has probably been asked this a million times. If this was your kid, mm-hmm. what would you do? And yeah. that's really where we need to come from is if I was this woman, this client, and these were my kids, in my family, what would I do? What do I think she should have truly right. in my heart? Not just, I want to sell this average. I want to make this money. Of course, we have to do that to support our families, but really at the core, we are good, nice people, or we wouldn't be portrait photographers. What do I really think is the highest and best use of this art for this client? Right. And just yeah. roll in with that. Yeah. I think we have to also appreciate that when someone purchases a portrait, it's an investment and that investment will grow in value. We, we, we always see like the dollar amount today and it's like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. But when those money, when that money is long forgotten, that portrait is growing in value. Mm-hmm. And the day someone picks up your portrait, a Walden portrait, I expect it to be worth every single dime they paid for it. But I yes, think it yes. holds its least value that day. It's worth less that day. It's worth everything you paid, but it's worth less that day than it will be in a year. Yep. In five years, in 15, 50 years. That's what they're going to grow in value. That money is long forgotten. So to, to say, well, I don't want to talk them into something. Well, no, you don't want to do that. But not to provide an opportunity for them to experience that, then I think is to do an injustice to you and to them. And, you know, the old cliches are true, Allison. Uh, you know, the house fire and I got my first thing I wanted off the wall were, were my yeah. portrait. And, you know, those are the things that, that matter the most. And so why do, we, why do we treat it like, well, we're selling a piece of paper. How much can I get for it? And I'm a little embarrassed. We don't, well, that's all wrong. Yep. <laughs> that's it's so true. That's not the value of what we're doing. It's yep. the value comes today, but it comes greater tomorrow and the next day. Yeah, I love that. I appreciate so much what you do and, and really what you've done and how you sell it is 
my mother had a vision, you know, her, her mother had her children photographed a little headshot on fiber-based print and oiled. So when my mother was two, so starting with my mom was the oldest. So she did that with all of her children. So my mom kept that tradition. And so when my mom passed, we all, all the siblings, all six of us got our two-year-old portrait. We got our baptism portrait. Mm -hmm. And so we have this, they're beautifully done. Is she only, you know, she was having that one kid photographed at that time. It was to the highest level that could be done. I know that especially with us, the older kids, when my parents were younger, it was definitely expensive for them, Right. but it is the treasure. It's the treasure of my life. And then I've continued that same tradition. So we have three generations of two-year-old portraits to be able to look at that. It is just really such a great thing. And so I think we underestimate, we, we shortchange our clients and we shortchange ourselves when we don't appreciate truly what the value is that we do that we're not telling those stories. And I love your concept of just being ultimately clear about what it is that we're doing and bringing our best for our clients. Absolutely. And it's our job. We have to take the responsibility for it. I think it's why, you know, it's not a client's job to know when they should come back to you. Mm-hmm. It's not a client's job to know when their children should be photographed. It's not a client's job to know what they should do with those photographs. In my mind, with our portraits, it's my job to instill in them the possibilities, to plant the seeds, to share with them the changes that happen. I think we have to create a sense of urgency, a sense of understanding. And we do that, you know, in marketing in another, a lot of ways, we, you know, with our different documentations and discussions and your life in portraits and what we're celebrating at certain times in their life, all those type of things. But it's our job to message that and then to create that. You know, I I tell a client, here's when your children should be photographed and here's what we should do. And I think the best kind of marketing there is is permission marketing. So Mm -hmm. I'll ask them, I'll say, what I'd like to do is I'd like to notify you as we get closer to these times. And then if you pass on it, I want it to be your fault, not mine. Because, I don't, I, you know, if you're going to miss it, I don't want it to be my fault because these are key changes. These are key, important parts in their life. One time you need to do a, a painting, a bovisage painting, or one time we're going to do a black and white relationship, whatever it might be. And so I think we have to market. And, and I'll tell you where that is really birthed out of, Allison, it's birthed out of a true understanding. What I do is important to these people, to yes. their lives. And it's, it's important today, but it's going to be critical tomorrow. Yes. The biggest enemy of photography in my mind is procrastination. Mm -hmm. And the result of procrastination is regret. Procrastination equals regret. I've never had a client come through our door and say, gosh, I wish I hadn't done that painting of my child of mine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or I wish I bought a smaller portrait. I've never heard those words. Never. Once. No. I have heard, I'm embarrassed. I missed that. I wish I'd have gone ahead and gotten something Mm -hmm. larger because I love that portrait so much. But why aren't we telling them that? Right. Or, and why aren't we taking responsibility to make that happen? So I have a direct comparison for that. I have this jacaranda tree at my front yard that has the purple blossoms. It's like Mm -hmm. my favorite tree. I love it so much. And it's a little bit of a hothouse orchid in that it needs like yearly, not just trimming. It needs like an arborist to come like pet it and love it and talk nice (laughs) to it and stuff. And so I found this guy who is awesome. So after the first year when he came out and it was expensive, it was like probably $500, which I thought was a lot of money and to trim this tree and like fertilize it and do all the things. And I said, okay, so next year you're going to do this for me, right? Because in Arizona, it's super, super hot. 
during the summer. And so there's a window at which if they cut something or whatever, it will kill some shrubs and trees. So there's a window and I always forget the window. The window is fall when we're crazy busy at the studio. So I said, can you just put me on your list and just show up and do it and send me a bill? Because I don't want to have to think about this. This guy cannot get it together. So my poor tree is only getting done like maybe every other year or if I can nag Ivan to call him. But he could have just that annual income just like locked and loaded if he would just get his database figured out. And as soon that story made me realize because I was feeling like when we were calling our clients to get them booked for the fall, that we were bugging them or that we were being salesy or we were whatever. And finally, I realized like exactly what you said when I had like the third or fourth client say, I'm so sorry. We haven't been back. I just got so busy and I forgot. I haven't called. That's not their responsibility. No, it's ours. We're we're the keeper of the family memories, the keeper of the moments. Right. And we need to tell them when like, Hey, is, is the christening coming up or the baptism or the whatever, you know, like you, I love that you have the life and portraits, you know, that those times. And then I've noticed recently the last few years, these more affluent young moms will come in and we'll do the first session. And then as they're leaving, they'll say, okay, so what's the plan? Like, when do we need to do this again? And I keep thinking like, are you an idiot? Why are you not making a plan for these people? Right. Yes. This is the whole reason, exactly what you said. Some 10 years ago, a mom was in in the room with our office manager who was delivering the work and said, please tell Tim and Bev, I love these so much. And what should I do next? Mm -hmm. And he said, first, only guy we ever had as an office manager. And he said, you know, I don't, I don't know, whatever you like. And I could feel my blood pressure going up and my <laughs> and my heart sinking. I thought, if I can't answer that question, and if I'm not planting that seed, what am I going to do? Just blame people because they don't get around to it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what we do. It's like, oh, I don't understand that. Yeah. You know, well, let me explain it to you. It's your job. And so <laughs> we, we created a document called Your Life and Portraits, and we call it Seed Marketing. And every time we do a portrait, we talk about what that next portrait is, what they should do, why they should do it what the stages in a child's life are and what we're celebrating, whether you're going to be curiosity or, or wonderment or significance or purpose, you know, those kind of things. And then we plant to see this is how our art best fits during that season. Would it be okay with you if I got in touch with you when that time rolls around? Now you got to build, you got to build an infrastructure in your data to do that. But when they give you permission to market to them, you know, in any way, whether it be at a longer period of time or even on an ongoing basis, if you happen to be somebody that's blogging or doing something like that, say there's such great content there. We want to be able to uh, nurture our relationship, to educate you on certain things. Be sure to look out for that. We, you know, do you mind if we send you that? I've never had anybody say no. Now, if they unsubscribe or something, that's so be sure. it. But you'd be surprised when people make a commitment to you like that. They want to hear from you. They want to know. Right. And uh, yeah, and so permission marketing is, I think, ultimately just saying, we want to stay in touch with you. Would that be okay? For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it doesn't feel like marketing because it's something that they obviously wanted and have already paid for. And I think that's where we just slit our own throat because we're right. doubting ourselves and thinking, oh, we don't want it. We've been sold to a million times and over-marketed. Right. But the only marketing that bugs you, if you think about it, the only emails that is spam to you or the only things that bug you are things that you don't want. When you get an email from somebody that you are like, you use that service and you love that service, you're like flag put into the right folder. Like you you want to keep that and you're clicking on that. So it's just getting out of our own way. And I think this is a good place where we can just kind of wrap this up. 
to me, I feel like listening to you, the overriding feeling is story, just layers of meaning and being very, very clear about who you are and what it is that you do and how that can best serve your client and not making it about the tech, making it about the client. Absolutely. Telling their stories, celebrating their life, making your art about other people, making your life about other people. I think, you know, for coming from that perspective will always benefit you much greater than trying to find ways to benefit yourself. And I mean, our brand has been built on serving others and doing it like family. I tell every client, you're my cousin. You're now my cousin. Because I always, <laughs> always think, you know, to me, I, and, and I have 50 cousins. I really do. I have 50 yeah. of them. Wow. And uh, a cousin is not an intimate relationship, mm -hmm. but it's a family relationship. Mm -hmm. And when something happens to them or if they have a, a victory or a challenge, I'll drop them a note. I'll keep in touch with them. Mm -hmm. So every client to me now is my cousin. And that's the way I think about them. It's like I have to care about them in that way. It doesn't cross a line that's inappropriate, but it sure. does cross the typical business line of putting somebody in a column, making them a number and being very insincere in the way right. and non-authentic, whatever the word is for that. Yes. Uh, that becomes the way we do business. It becomes a just, a, you know, something that just is automated. And I understand we have to have a level of that, but I think we have to figure out at the level we want to function, how do we cross those barriers? You can't automate the love. No, you I really can't. I think you can automate the reminder to send that's the good. love. Yeah. You can automate point. a yeah. lot of the triggers. Right. But that's one thing, you know, uh, I was just talking with a friend this morning and she's like, well, what if you got one of those services where they just sent the automatic birthday cards to your clients yeah. when they had a birthday, you know, Dennis used those or whatever. And I'm like, I can't do that. If I'm going to do something like that, it has to be, I can't automate the love part. It has to that's be great. more, more Absolutely. love. And that's might even be a phone call or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. A text. It could be any, it just depends. You're just a lover, Tim Walden. Well, we sure love you. That's for sure. Oh, I love you right back. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can find more great resources from Allison at dotherework.com and on Instagram at do.the.rework.com.